For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 122 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, a very tired Hall's Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we're back this week to talk some Star Wars and shit for you fine people. Uh, got a little surprise behind the scenes video this week. A got little a surprise. surprise. Uh got a little more information on the canceled visceral star wars game and we've got some voicemails and emails to hopefully finish catching up on so uh that'll be a good time before that let me give you guys the business that's right i'm in the business of giving you the business and business is good yep you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can buy shirts, coffee mugs, phone cases, stickers, all kinds of neat things at our T Public store, tpublic.com slash user slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Boy, howdy, boy, duty, howdy, are we excited to be part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network, along with such great shows as Now This Is Podcasting, Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, Rogue One, Podcast 2187, Cantina Cast, Idiots Array, Tarkin's Top Shelf, First Order Transmissions, and The Cargo Hold. And guys, The Kessel Toy Run. A special charity toy run drive, which we are supporting and participating in this year, is still going strong. Our buddy Brandon is starting to get donations in already. He's posting pictures of lots of cool toys and books and stuff that he's going to be taking to these uh, kids in need. And if you would like to support that, just check him out at the Kessel Toy Run on Twitter. They also have a Facebook page set up. Just search for the Kessel Toy Run. And, like we mentioned last week, 
in the next couple of weeks, we will have a very special holiday special episode of Blue Harvest coming at you guys, which you'll be able to purchase, and all the proceeds will go towards that toy run so we can all do something a little nice for some kids that need it this holiday season. Let's do something good, man. Feels good. Feels good. So how's your week been, my man? It's been good. I mean, it's been a little hectic, but it's been good. I hear you, buddy. I am. How's your week been? It's been really good, but man, I am worn out. So, um, Jesse and I went to see the Foo Fighters last night. Dude, so envious. I bet it was a blast. It was so much fun. And they played for like three hours, like on the dot. Started at 8.45, ended at 11.45. I was wondering if I was going to even be able to do the podcast today because I spent every single minute of those three hours just singing along, having a good damn-ass time, man. It was so good. Uh, I had something fucking weird happen to me, though. What? So, uh, right before their last song, before the encore... Uh, It was that song, Best of You. Yeah. This old hippie guy comes up behind me, and obviously I don't see him because he's behind me, and he leans in real close and gets right next to my left ear and goes, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And it scares the shit out of me, and I turn and I see, like, an old hippie dude wearing, like, a... Um, I don't know if you call it a dashiki. It's like a, uh, like a, like a robe kind of more like a tunic, but tie dyed. Right. And buddy, let me tell you, he was having a good time. I was having a good time. He was having a real good time. A stellar time. An interstellar time. Smelling a mighty skunky. If you catch my drift. I got you. And then he proceeds to start waving his arms in an alarming circular fashion over my head, right? And go and talking some crazy gibberish. I think he cast a fucking spell on me. Or he was trying to heal you. See, that's what Jesse said. And weirdly enough, I can walk today, so maybe it worked. No shit. Yeah, weird. But yeah, dude, there was some... Uh, all I could make out was some spirits of fire, spirits of earth business, and then like just gibberish. And like, he freaked me right the fuck out. You had the uh, the Burning Man spirit healing is what you had right there. I don't like it. I don't like it. Not for me. Um. Oh, you know who we saw at uh, the concert? Our buddy JJ. Really? Yeah, he and his wife were there. Um, we had just come in and I was like, damn, I'm thirsty. I need to get something to drink. So we went to the concession stand and standing right there was JJ. It was cool to see him, man. I haven't seen him in in a couple of years, probably since his wedding, actually. And he still lives in Birmingham, right? Uh, yeah, I think he lives like in the Trustville area, but close-ish. Yeah. Birmingham, you know, but, uh, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. But unfortunately... I had a hell of a time falling asleep uh, when we got home, so I didn't fall asleep till maybe almost 6 a.m. 
and I am a worn out today. So damn, dude. I'm gonna try and uh, <clears throat> try and get my energy going because uh, otherwise, it might not be that interesting this week. I'm surprised Jeff wasn't there. Uh, he might have been busy. No, he was there. He we was there. We didn't run into him, and I didn't know he was there until after we got home. He texted me, and he was like, how badass was that? And I was like, oh, oh well, you were there, huh? But he was, like, down on the floor and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, doing the young dude thing. Like, I didn't I didn't think Jeff would miss a Foo Fighters show. No, he was there, and, uh, and uh, yeah, he had a good old time. He was fighting Foo's. He was indeed. But anyway... Why don't we talk about some Star Wars? Oh, all right. So I guess the biggest thing that happened this week would be that uh, behind the scenes video that came out, I believe, initially posted by USA Today, correct? Um, but yeah, it was a nice little surprise. I definitely did not see that coming. Um, what did you think of it? Uh, I thought it was uh, great. I mean, it moved me. Seeing how much Ryan Johnson was moved, moved me. I know, man. Like, at this point, I don't know that he can do any wrong, Ryan Johnson. He has endeared himself to me and the fan base so well that, like, I'm just a big old fan. I'm a big old him, fan of that guy. Him talking about walking on the set of the Falcon <laughs> and get just getting emotional i was like oh man i would be too i'd be that guy oh for sure i'd be like <laughs> you know it's nice to see um that they're hiring people that don't just view this as a job or a paycheck you know they're hiring people that are invested. not necessarily fanboys fanboys is not the right word but people that are like you were saying vested in the emotional impact that this has on a generation, on several generations. Right, and and people that were clearly influenced and enjoyed Star Wars, you know? Yeah. Like, you know who, a worst case scenario for me, for someone to direct or write a Star Wars movie would be um, Simon Pegg. Because yeah. the dude is just kind of douchey about Star Wars. Like, if you don't like... Yeah, if you don't like the prequels, that's fine. I'm not saying, like, you're not a real fan if you don't like the prequels. But, like, just don't be such a fucking arrogant dickhead about it. You know? like There's a way, you know, the, and I know I come at this several angles, but there's a way to critique something without shitting on it. Right. There's a there's a way to have an opinion about something that may not be what you love, but you can love the essence of it, the history of it, you know, like it or not, that's star Wars history. You don't have yep. to love it. You don't even have to like it, but you can appreciate it for the fact that it's history. Like that's, it happened. You know, you don't have to like the way it happened or how maybe certain performances went, but that's, that's star Wars history. One one. Absolutely. And and that's my thing. Like like I said, I don't care if someone doesn't like the prequels. I have plenty of friends that are in the Star Wars that don't like the prequels. That's totally fine. I'm just saying, like, don't be such a fucking tool about it. And like 
that's Simon Pegg, man. He's he's a tool about the prequels. And to be honest, like I know he and and J.J. Abrams are like tight, and that's why he was in the Force Awakens. But it kind of bummed me out. But you know, really, if they were to eliminate everyone who said something bad about the prequels, then like how many people would be left to participate? Yeah, the Star or, Wars fan base would be cut severely. Well, not just the fan base, but like creatively, or you know, actors or writers or anything like that. But like. I don't know. I just feel like Simon Pegg would have a douchey approach to Star Wars. So, do you think there's a Harrison Ford like redemption for Simon Pegg? No, not in my no. mind. I mean, like I like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and stuff, but I'm not like fucking creaming my jeans over Simon Pegg anyway. Like to me, well, the, Simon the other Pe- half of that is the other guy. I, I forget his name. Nick but- Frost. Nick Frost, like, he is, he's the other half of the magic. It's not just Simon Pegg, you know, and those are comedies. Those aren't, you know, shall I, moving pieces of literature, like cinematic literature there. So, have you seen Star Trek Beyond? Star Trek Beyond. It's the third of the new Star Trek movies? No, I haven't. That was written by Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg? Yeah. And honestly, it was pretty good, but it's Star Trek, not Star Wars. You know what I mean? So, like, it doesn't necessarily, like, I haven't heard him really shit on Star Trek, but I'm also not as invested in Star Trek. Um, Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I just think there's a way, like you said, that he could just give his opinion without being such a dick burger about it. I don't know, man. Here's the thing. Once you close yourself off to something... (laughs) You can no longer, I mean, you're no longer open-minded. You're no longer accepting or you're like the old school Jedi. You know, once you close your mind off to new things and other experiences, you're destined for a fall. Nicely said, my man. (coughs) I I, I don't words good tonight, apparently. No, I said nicely said. No, I feel like I could have said it better, but mm. you pushed my buttons with it, my man. I thought I thought it was nice, nicely. Done. Oh, I just I just know where your button is and how hard to push. It's a very small button, and like you got to push it in, and then it'll you gotta pop work back it out. Up. It'll pop back out. It'll be a little bigger, but nothing to write home about. Um, so back to the behind the scenes video. Was there anything that you noticed in there that gave you any? sort of insight to plot or something that you didn't know before? There was the scene with, I mean, I think I had seen Finn and Rose and I guess it's DJ in the officer's uniforms, maybe a clip of that previously, but I got a good look at it then. So as far as I know, until that behind the scenes video we had only seen Finn and Rose in those First Order disguises. Yeah. So I think this is the first time we've seen DJ in it. So right. I thought that was kind of interesting. It sort of clued us in that at some point after the whole Canto Bite in, uh, adventure, you know, DJ's still along for the ride and uh, dressed up like a First Order officer or whatever, um, you know, infiltrating some sort of First Order Base, or Snoke's Mega Star Destroyer, or, you know, something like that. 
some of the shots with Carrie Fisher are really nice. Mm. Um, a lot of that's behind the scenes stuff, though. I know yeah. that's not film stuff. It's just good to see her. I know. You know she has just... <laughs> one of my favorite lines in it is where she's like, he's got flaws in other areas. I just don't know about him. Right. Talking about Ryan. Uh, so a couple things that I caught that I thought were interesting. Uh, there is a scene with, I can't remember if it's the one where we see Daisy and Oscar Isaac hanging out on what looks like the Millennium Falcon set. Yeah. Which, you know, like you said, this is all behind the scenes. So maybe they're not even in that scene together. Maybe they were just on set the same day. But if they, if that was like during filming, then, you know, it looks like maybe we'll get some Ray and, and Poe on the Falcon together. Um, yep. I don't know if it was that scene or the scene of her and John Boy- Boyega hanging out and laughing, but in one of those scenes, Daisy Ridley has a fairly significant like bruise or scrape or something on her face that's not there in the trailer scene where Snoke is fucking with her. Right. So that leads me to believe that maybe the Snoke and Ray scene is before Crate. Like I've seen some people sort of speculating that maybe that's real close to the end of the movie. The people that do the supercuts of the trailers, you know, yeah. all the Um, so it makes me think maybe she escapes or gets away from Snoke and then joins the Battle of Crate and, you know, the shot of I guess it's Poe sliding into the trench yes and the ship kind of like smashing over the top of the trench mm-hmm. and then there's some sort of alien that turns to watch him turns to see him slide into the trench so uh, the question i had is he running from that crashing ship and is he sliding into that sh- that trench to avoid that or, is or did that he him- eject from it yeah or is that him bailing out of the ship I kind of think maybe he's running from that crashing ship because if he bailed out of it, hit the ground running, ran, slid into that trench, like, I don't know, that seems a little awkward to me. Like the You think there'd be a whole lot of impact from right. Right. even the ship then. Like, yeah, just it, that. it would look a little silly for him to, like, jump out of the ship and, like, land on his feet running, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> um. The scene where John Boyega, uh, I guess, is in like the medical pod or whatever, mm-hmm. and it looks like a glass dome or something. Right. I didn't realize that it was a dome. You know, I had seen a clip of that shot where you just see his face. I didn't realize there was this big dome over him. Yeah, I kind of figured that it might be because in the first teaser trailer, when we see him laid up in that thing, it looks like there's like readouts on some glass or something in the foreground. But uh, it was cool to get a, a better look at that contraption, whether that's like a back to dome, a back to suit or whatever the fuck it is. It, it looks pretty neat. Um, pre- um, pretty uh, safe to assume. I'd imagine that that's whatever they put him in to heal him after his injuries in yeah. the force awakens. Uh there's a shot of an animal in a pen, like a giant bunny rabbit slash horse llama horse thing. Yeah. 
I, I had seen a shot of that before, but I got another good look at it in, in that. Okay, so I can clue you in on that. There's been some information about those. Those are called, I believe the pronunciation is Fathier. It's like uh, F-A-T-H-I-E-R. Yeah. And uh, from what I understand, those are on Canto Bite, the like Monte Carlo Casino Planet type. Yeah. location that we haven't seen a lot of in the trailers and stuff <clears throat> and like they may be like used for like basically horse races or something for gambling but i think they're cool looking i like the big old ears and stuff i would hang out with one of those things um yeah man i mean you know i don't think we got a ton of insight but maybe a few little pieces to help yeah I mean, juicy little bits. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? That's that's kind of all I need for the next month and a half or whatever. Right? Just that's little little morsels here and there, and it'll keep me nice and happy. Like, I know, you know, we're probably, I don't know, when do the TV spots start? Like, maybe about a month before the movie? And probably. At, and at that point, I know after a little while, like, I'll be like, I don't want to see any more TV spots. Uh, I'll I'm, analyze it too hard. Yeah, and like, you know, it just seems like with each iteration of the TV spots, there's a little something new, a little something new. And I don't know, like, maybe it won't be as extreme as it was for The Force Awakens and Rogue One. But at a certain point, I felt like both of those movies, their TV spots gave away a little too much. Um, I, I never well, felt like a they lot of them were it. full of stuff that wasn't in the movie. <clears throat> well, yeah, especially Rogue One. The Force Awakens wasn't nearly as bad as um, no, no, Rogue no, no. One. I, I meant Rogue One. And I don't think, I don't really think we're gonna have that problem with the for uh, with the Last Jedi, mainly because the movie was done. Uh, before the the latest trailer even came out, and you know, with the reshoots and stuff with Rogue One, they were pretty much working on that till the last minute, you know. Um, but with the Last Jedi being done, I think it's fairly safe that most of what we're seeing will be in the movie. Maybe there might be some stuff in the teaser, the original teaser that doesn't make it. Um. But, you know, there wasn't a whole lot in that that if it was left out, like, it would be a glaring omission. It may just be, like, different shots, you know, of the same content. Here's a question, uh, pure speculation. Mm -hmm. Do you think Finn is healed all the way eventually? Like, clearly, um, Kylo Ren's face heals all the way from his carbon fiber, band, you know, stitch bandage. Um do you think Finn's back heals all the way, or do you think there's some mechanical supplementation in there? <clears throat> I don't know. Um, so because we don't know how bad the the wound was necessarily, right? And enough I would, to render him unconscious. We know that, but. right? And I know. Um, so I I would say Finn's back wound was may way more major of a wound than Kylo's face wound. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
I, I probably less superficial, and you know, spine is much more crucial so, to you know your function than some face and neck skin. Yeah. Oh, I hear you, buddy. And um, I know, um, I know, uh, Kylo Ren took more damage, but I'm not sure how deep. You know, didn't? Yeah, I don't. Ray hit him on like the leg and the arm, maybe. Yeah, but I don't know that any of that was necessarily anything that would hinder his abilities again superficial in muscular meaty areas yeah yeah now there was i always get them confused i, I want to say it was entertainment weekly when they did their uh coverage of the last jedi there was a line in it that john boyega said something about like his wound still like his injury still burns like it constantly burns and bothers him and stuff so i don't know if that's a matter of say just the fact that it was his spine that got injured you know or is it like the resistance comes under attack and they have to get him out of that pod too early and maybe don't he doesn't have enough time to completely heal but it will be an I think it'll be an interesting character aspect if it does give him some issues. You know, if it's not just a clean healing process and like he still has some uh Yeah. If they have to give him like a uh uh dead space spinal rig kind of setup. Yeah, I could see something like that being cool. Um all to but Honestly, I haven't seen anything in the trailers or the behind the scenes that makes it seem like that's going on. But that's... I mean, maybe, you know, I'm just, again, t purely hypothetical. Maybe it's small enough that it's under the jacket or under a shirt. Right. You know? That's what I was saying. Maybe that's what I was going to say is maybe it's just not something you, you would be able to see. Um, but I definitely think it's going to be something that's addressed given that that quote or statement he made in the entertainment weekly article um so that you know that could be potentially a cool little character detail i'm looking forward to him showing some badassness because he i mean he was badass and ballsy enough to square off with kylo ren don't get me wrong i'm not saying you know but very brave a, do what now very brave very yeah very brave um <coughs> But you see a lot more of him scared and on the run. Yeah. In The Force Awakens until he realizes he's got to help Ray. Yeah. And then he does what he has to. You know, bravery, you know, damn the torpedoes. But um and uh but I, I get that that's character growth. You know, those are opportunities. I'm just I'm looking forward to seeing him be a badass, you know, do some badass shit. Yeah, and I know they also said, once again, I believe in the Entertainment Weekly article that, like, he's still not... I think he kind of still wants to run a little bit, but I think it's more from a he-wants-to-go-find-Ray perspective. Huh. Um, but I I, I am, imagine he's going to have a similar character arc to Han Solo, where, like, if you think about it, like, Han yeah, Solo... Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. Han Solo's trying to run the whole damn trilogy. Well, until Return of the Jedi. Like, I imagine we will get to the point where Finn is solid in his resolve and, and um, dedication to the Resistance. Because his baby mama slaughtered the man that had the bounty on him. 
<laughs> he's like, oh, you gonna you gonna trap my man in carbonite? How about I strangle your ass to death with your own chain? Such a ballin' move. Um. So yeah, I, I I'm looking forward to a little more sure of himself, Finn. But you know, like when Maz Kanata gives him the lightsaber and like he comes out of the ruins of that castle, he's pretty badass. I know. Yeah, he, when he's uh, like, I need a weapon, and she's like, You have one. Yeah, and and I know he doesn't uh, fare so well against the riot trooper traitor. Um, he hadn't been trained with a lightsaber. Right. Oh no, I totally agree. But what I'm saying is that, like, I want to see him kick a little. I, I'm much like you. I'm looking forward to seeing him kick some ass because clearly he's been trained as a stormtrooper. You know, I know the big joke. He couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a blaster. Okay, but like, you know, realistically, not all stormtroopers miss all the time. Yeah, I mean, look, I get the joke about how like the stormtroopers can't hit anything, but like, if the stormtroopers could hit anything, like all your main characters in Star Wars would be dead twenty minutes into A New Hope. You right. Know? Like, right. It's a movie, man. Like. I saw uh, a meme online that I liked that had a picture of a stormtrooper and said, are you a target? Because I miss you. I thought that that was good. That is good. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, he probably did have some melee training. Clearly. Yeah. I mean, didn't obviously. They, didn't they say that he had the training with that, that same stun baton, whatever? I believe they did establish that in one of the journey to the force awakens books like maybe the one that was like three short stories compiled one about ray one about finn and one about poe yeah um, i think they did establish that like maybe even that guy he faces off with in the he force sparred awakens, against yeah was like his trainer or he sparred against him or something so i think you could be um, right about that so uh, clearly he's had some minimal hand-to-hand combat probably much fire range you know shooting range firearms training and soldier training and clearly knows you know the stormtrooper equipment right so the suit you know the weapons he's he's a trained soldier right clearly not a pilot <clears throat> but yeah uh, i can't really think of anything else from this behind the scenes reel that gave us much insight it was very cool i was excited to see it you know um, but, uh, you know, we'll see not long now. I'm so excited. And I, I know at this point it's probably going to fly by. I've got so much to do before the last Jedi. That'll keep me busy. I got games and, to play and, and Thanksgiving, you know, Thanksgiving. Oh makes yeah. Time fly. And then like Christmas shopping and, oh, it's going to Halloween, be... Thanksgiving, Christmas shopping, Star Wars. Yep. Yep. Um, but, uh, man, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, so the other news that actually just broke today, my buddy Michael Pappas sent me the article about it. Kotaku, one of my favorite sort of gaming news websites, mm -hmm. uh, put, about, put out a very in-depth article about the trials and tribulations behind the visceral Star Wars game. And oh, man, do tell, because I read... Just the headline of one of these articles, and yeah. I was intrigued. So they spoke with, I believe, the head of EA, and they also spoke with several inside sources that 
spoke to them on the condition of anonymity. 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 Um, oh, I like that! Thank you, buddy. Uh, yeah. So, you know, they wouldn't get in trouble and stuff. So, I would say that the information in this article is probably pretty solid as to a glimpse behind the scenes. Now, we're not going to go over it because it's a it's an in-depth, meaty article. So, if you guys want all the little details, I would suggest going to Kotaku and checking it out. But it basically boils down to this project was sort of, for lack of a better term, doomed from the start. They had a lot of technical issues behind the scenes. They had a development studio that was spread too thin. They had, um, you know, uh, to do the type of Star Wars game that they wanted, it was very ambitious where they wanted you to be able to play as several members of this squad of scoundrels and smugglers. Whereas like a typical Uncharted slash Tomb Raider game, you kind of play as one, maybe two protagonists. Um, <clears throat> and, and they had some issues working with the Frostbite engine, which EA is sort of, uh, I guess, forcing on most of their studios. And for people that don't know, the Frostbite engine is an engine that was developed for the Battlefield games, which are first-person shooters. And when you have an engine that's built for a specific type of game, like a first-person shooter, it's not exactly easy to then use that same engine to make a third-person game. Uh, BioWare has done it twice. They did it with Dragon Age Inquisition and Mass Effect Andromeda, which both apparently had a lot of technical difficulties in development because of that issue. That was the part of the article I saw was that the this game ran into some of the same issues that Mass Effect Andromeda had run into. <clears throat> yeah, and if you want, it's never they never state this in the article. Um, but if I had to guess, the sort of I think Mass Effect Andromeda sold reasonably well. It just didn't get the critical reception that the Mass Effect games typically do. To the point where they decided they weren't going to do any DLC. No, no single player DLC. And Mass Effect is effectively <laughs> uh, on ice. Like it's, it's shelved for now. It will come back because EA had a, like during their earnings call, they apparently had a pretty good quarter and... A lot of that was due to Mass Effect. Like I said, I, I believe it sold reasonably well. It just wasn't as highly regarded. So I firmly believe I, that Mass Effect will will be back at some point, but it'll be after they like iron some things out and have a really solid idea and concept for the game. You know, the next I really game. wonder why because I I, I played Mass Effect and Drum played it quite a bit. You know, still haven't beaten it because I I don't have who has the time these days. But, um, but I didn't see a whole lot wrong. You know, like yeah. Well, I think a lot of it boils down to Mass Effect Andromeda looks great graphically, especially the environments and stuff. But the character models and animations 
look a little last gen, to be completely honest. They don't look... I, I get that. I agree with that. They don't look on par with something like The Witcher 3 or Uncharted or Tomb Raider or... I know those aren't necessarily in the same genre as Mass Effect. Witcher 3 is close, but... Um, there was something about the main character and his father, that whole relationship, that did not, I guess, butt up against Shepard quite so hardcore. Yeah. Shepard still seems a little more badass. I, I, I'll, I will fully agree that I think Shepard is a way better character than Ryder. Which is the character? Ryder had some greenhornness to yeah. it, and I can't point to anything specific, you know, like. But yeah. it, it's just a feeling, you know. Yeah, and and I feel like had they continued on and done like maybe a Mass Effect Andromeda trilogy, he would have grown into a more interesting and compelling character and would have you know developed more. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Yeah, um, the, the, but I mean, the concept of going to a new galaxy and colonizing that, I thought that was kick-ass. It was. And I wonder, when they pick up Mass Effect again, will they pick it up in the Andromeda galaxy, or will they pick it back up in the Milky Way galaxy? I don't know. But, like you are saying, it, it seems like there were some similar problems. They maybe bit off a little more than they can chew, given the amount of staff they had. It sounds like Amy Henning, who, you know, is like a rock star game writer um, was brought on and she wanted to oversee every aspect of the game when her strong suit really is the writing and cutscene direction. Like with apparently with uncharted, she always had a co-director who handled all of the uh, directing of level design and game elements while she yeah. handled the writing cutscene di directing and things like that. Right, and some of the other stuff I saw about Amy Hennig was that she, they didn't, the way Uncharted 4 came out wasn't necessarily her original story. No, she left Naughty Dog during the development of Uncharted 4, so I don't know how much of, if any, influence she had over that one. Uh, so, um, it also sounds like, you know, there was... A lot of unhappy employees at Visceral, they kept losing employees, and that made it hard to, like, nail down. Like, apparently, they never had a dedicated art director. They never had, you know, someone, like, that, that, that stuck around that could just be their art director. So a lot of it, they used someone associated with Lucasfilm, who, in this article, they uh, describe as being stretched pretty thin because... He's not just working on a video game. He or she, whoever this person was, they don't name them. Uh, they were also, you know, working on stuff for Lucasfilm. I assume for movies and TV and, you know, things like that. Um, so, you know, that was an issue. Apparently, also, um, the approval process when working with Lucasfilm is pretty killer. Where, like, they come up with a character design. And if they came up with a character design on dead space you know it was pretty quick to get approved maybe a couple of different iterations and refinements and then it was good to go but with star wars you know they have to go through lucasfilm and lucasfilm is going to be v go over it with a fine-tooth comb before they approve something um, yeah 
Originally, apparently, this game was supposed to come out in May of 2018. So probably right around the time of the Han Solo movie. Uh, it got pushed back to December of 2018. And then they put together uh, a demo reel to show EA. Um, and this was going to be like, they show this to EA and get approved and they can go on to the next step in development. And apparently this um, this demo reel consisted of like three different parts. The first one was an action sequence where you're getting chased by an ATST. Um, there was a shootout on Tatooine. Uh, and then there was a mission where you're rescuing a prisoner from beneath Jabba's palace. And like, you know, the that area you only see briefly with uh, R2 underneath Jabba's palace when they're taking him under there. And the guy's like, you'll soon learn some respect. Um, On the master's sail barge. But apparently they showed that to EA. And after EA saw it, they <clears throat> were... Not stoked with it, and that's when they made the decision. EA was like, mm, hard nope, nope, nope. So the interesting thing that I took from this article is a lot of the people that were working on this game that they had as sources and, and insiders that were um, giving them interviews and information about this game seemed to say, like, seemed to be not surprised that it was canceled. They seemed to say, or like, like glad almost like yeah like. like almost glad like yeah I, I don't know how this would have turned out um you know they they bring up an interesting point that ea was looking for a game on the caliber of like you know uncharted three or four when you know that's after like 12 or 15 years of naughty dog developing this series so right. they want it so like it's really hard to jump in at that yeah. quality. Yeah. You know, it's sort of one of those things where, uh, let's use That's the... like... Yeah, no, go ahead. The, like, let's use... Um, I'm trying to think of a good series to use as an example. Like, I'm, I, in my mind, I was thinking Grand Theft Auto V. Like, that's, you've never made a Grand Theft Auto, and we want something on the caliber of Grand Theft Auto yeah, V. Yeah, without... Dude, that you, took 20 years, you yes, know? Yes, without having made... Uh, the you first know, four. Yeah, and Red Dead and, and L.A. Noir and everything else right. that, you know, went into influencing Grand Theft Auto V. That's a great, um, great analogy, buddy. Perfect. Um, but yeah. Because that took so many resources and so many years cultivating those prop, you know, those properties and those in, you know intellectual properties, what I meant, and that style and everything, you know. The the one thing that everybody uh, seems to agree on, though, is that the story they had uh, written and set for this was really good. Like, all the insiders are like, the story was great. That was the strong suit. Apparently, everything else, though, wasn't very solid. So, you know. So, it sounds like I'm glad. I yeah, should be glad that yeah, this well, got. Well, you know, it still bums me out because I was looking forward to a story game you know a star wars story game with a really good story um well next if, year but <laughs> fuck a good story if it's not fun to play yeah that, you know? I was, well what well, you know what i was about to say was that 
clearly what Lucasfilm Battlefront, you know, I mean, Lucasfilm and Disney, you know, Battlefront learned was that you can't just throw out something with a Star Wars label on it without a good kick-ass story. Oh, yeah. Well, you can create the the mother of multiplayers. It still has to have, you know, because that's what people crave. It still has to have a story with a spine. Yeah, and they they brought that up in the article that the you know Battlefront sold really well, sold something like thirteen million copies or something, but the reception to it not having a campaign definitely affected the development of uh, this visceral Star Wars game. In fact, they were working with another studio. I can't remember which one it was. But they were working with another EA studio in conjunction. So it was Visceral plus this other studio. And when the Battlefront, the original Battlefront came out and there were so many complaints about it, EA took that other studio and said, you guys stop working on this Project Ragtag. That was its its code name, uh, which was reported on by Making Star Wars way back this summer. Um, it, they took that development team and they're who i think it's ea motive they're who did the campaign for battlefront 2 so they took them off the visceral game and were like you guys go over here and make the the campaign for battlefront 2 um so uh you know it sounds like we may have dodged a bullet a little bit now that's not to say within the next year they couldn't have whipped it into shape um but it sounds like for as many copies as they would have had to sell, it would have been a tough sell for a single-player game that most people are going to play once and then maybe even go trade in. You know, yeah. Um, I'm excited that they are. You know, they're keeping some of the assets and the base of the game and reworking it into an open-world game because that's what I really want. I really want an open-world Star Wars game. I just hope it doesn't take too long. Um. You know, it just sucks because we were going to have this game next year. Around this time next year, I'd be super hyped for this game. And I know you're not about delayed gratification, but uh, good things come to those who wait. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, I'm pretty you know, patient. We're in a it's world just... where Star Wars is coming out with regularity. Yeah. With something. Yeah, I know. It's not so much that I just need it because it's Star Wars. It's because it's a Star Wars game. And, like, I'm very excited for Battlefront 2. I really enjoyed the original Battlefront. Um, but, you know, I also want, like, a story-intensive... Like, the campaign for Battlefront 2 may be really good, but it's still going to be a first-person shooter campaign, and there's only really so much you can do with that. Um and, and so much immersion that you can get from a first-person shooter campaign, uh, if you know what I mean. Like, um, just personally, like, I find something like, you know, Uncharted or Tomb Raider or The Witcher 3 or Mass Effect or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, more immersive than I find, like, the campaign of Halo 5. I, I love playing a Halo campaign. Don't get me wrong. I love them. But there's just something a little different, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I'll tell you, I know exactly what you mean. Um, and I know you may not feel this way, but I feel like Call of Duty used to do that really well. 
I mean, I so I'm not a Call of Duty fan by any means. I have enjoyed the campaigns of their games before. I think they're they're fairly well done. It's been a while since I've played one, but I do feel like they're fairly well done and cinematic. But I still don't feel that immersion. You know, I right. I never feel like I connect with the character that you're playing as in a Call of Duty game. I feel like Halo does a better job of that. I feel like I connect better with like Master Chief or even like Cortana or um, Johnson or et cetera, et cetera. Like uh, same thing for like Gears of War. Like I feel like more connected now, to and enjoy the Gears, characters. I probably felt more connected to the Gears of War characters than any of those we've talked about. Yeah. I felt connected to Master Chief, Halo 2 and Halo 3. Halo 4, you know, the loss of Cortana really hit me. Um, Halo Reach, talking about, I felt connected to those Spartans, I guess because it's so tragic, you know, but this story was kick-ass. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a first-person person shooter campaign. I just want something a little meatier, because, like, really, at the end of the day, like, how long can a first-person shooter campaign be? I mean, really, it's grenade, empty the clip, reload. Grenade, empty the clip, reload. Yeah, like, duck behind some cover, you know. I'm sure they'll mix it up. There'll probably be some, you know, vehicle levels and stuff in Battlefront 2. And that's kind of what <clears> I meant <throat> about Call of Duty was because they throw some stuff in there that's not just shooting. You know, the I remember this one scene of uh, doing this huge jump with a snow like a snow speeder kind of thing. Oh, like a that level, snow, what are they snowmobile, called? Snowmobile. Snowmobile. Yeah, that that was kick-ass, and some of the end fights where you're fighting a boss, you know? Mm -hmm. Some of that, real cinematic, real kick-ass. Um, but I, I know exactly what you're saying. Uh, yeah. In uh, The Force Unleashed, I, I got into that. That yeah. was my first... But I really connected with um, was it Galen Merrick? Yeah, Star Killer Galen Merrick. Like he had a bunch of different, well, two different names, a whole bunch. And of it was names. it was kind of crazy how his clone came back in the second one. But after I got past that, it it was you know I I got back into it. <clears throat> so uh, yeah, it looks like we may have dodged a bullet. It looks like hopefully it'll result in a better more enjoyable product like i hope they just don't microtransact try to microtransaction the dick out of us if they want to toss you loot box the fuck out of me i will be so pissed i mean loot boxes are an unfortunate thing that we're going to have to accept at least for the I mean, time being i understand i mean that's how it works and that's the profit model and you know i get it this but is what i don't you like okay fuck me so this is what I don't like about loot boxes, uh, especially for a game like, say this, say this hypothetical open world Star Wars game. If they're going to put cosmetic stuff in a, in a loot box, like I would honestly rather them just put up all the different costumes or whatever on the store and let me spend a couple of bucks on the ones I want, you know? Or if they Instead put up Instead different... of trying to gamble till you get yeah, what you want. Yeah. And like with something like Overwatch, I get it because they give you a loot box every time you level up. Um, and if you're just super crazy about getting this one skin or something, then you can spend some money and buy some loot boxes. I get that. It's also, you know, sort of 
a different thing. It's a competitive multiplayer game, and like the skins are basically there to show off, so you look cool. But yeah. like in a single player game, I don't want to gamble with my own money and not get what I'm trying to get. Right. Um, and there is a. I'll I'll say this. I'm not trying to suck Destiny's balls too hard, but in Destiny Two, it, it's nice because the only thing you can really pay for are the bright engrams, which are, you know, extra stuff, shaders, yeah, cos- cosmetics, cosmetics, ornament, or- weapon ornaments. You know, like it, that's all you can. Re- that's all you can really spend money to get a shot at. You're not gonna get a weapon out of that. So I like that. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, I. But it's still like you said. You still have to if you want something specific. You got. You can't go in there and buy it. You, right. you got to buy your chance. You know, chances to buy it. So you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. The, at the end of the day, like it's not like they're forcing me to spend that money. I would, I would always prefer story DLC. Like I will spend the money on story DLC for a game. <clears throat> That I really like. I used to take the day off from work to play Mass Effect 2 story DLC the day day it came out. Yeah, absolutely. And like that's more appealing to me than costumes and stuff. I do now, I do like costumes and and skins and stuff. I do think they're cool. And, and, you know, if they they make really cool looking ones, I'm down for them. But I don't want to like basically have to gamble for them. That to me, that's a little lame. Come on, Ponda Boba. Yeah, come, come on, Boba Fett. R- come on, Luke's uh, orange pilot outfit. So, um, yeah, I think that'll do that for the video game discussion. Speaking of video games, though, if you guys are interested, uh, today, the day this comes out, October 28th, I'll be doing a little stream of Knights of the Old Republic on Twitch, if you guys nice. are interested. They just made Knights of the Old Republic backwards compatible on the Xbox One. So um, probably sometime around 5 Central. So what would that be? 5 Central, 6 Eastern, uh, 3 Pacific, I guess. I'll be streaming uh, Knights of the Old Republic for a little while. So uh, if you're interested, follow me on Twitch. It's Blue Harvest Pod. Easy enough to find. Bastila um, action. A little Bastila, a little Revan. Fucking do it up. I'm excited. It's, it's been a few years since I've played it. And, uh, looking forward to cracking back into it. Um, so we've got some voicemails and emails lined up for the evening. Try to get all caught up. Hopefully we can. We'll see how it goes. But you know, uh, there's only one way to crack open a Blue Harvest email segment. Cockhead! Hansberger! Cockhead! Will Witten! Cockhead! Goose Paint! Cockhead! 
yeah. That's what I needed. All right. Uh, first up this night, uh, this night, this evening, tonight, we've got our buddy David with a message. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, how's and well? This is Dave Comfort down here in South Florida, uh, specifically Fort Lauderdale. Um, second time caller, long time listener, once again. Um, this time I'm not here to talk about uh, space balls and Snoke's ring. This time I'm here to talk about Han Solo and Kylo Ren and uh, who um, lit that fucking lightsaber up, man. Um, my girlfriend brought it to my attention and, uh, and then my chef uh, confirmed it um, with a second opinion uh, that Kylo didn't kill Han Solo. I went back and watched it tonight. I watched it in slow-mo on my PS4, and man, okay, this changes, guys, this changes everything for for The Last Jedi, honestly. Um, So go back and take a look at when the lightsaber goes through Han Solo, okay? Go through that entire... um, confrontation that they have with you not confrontation but you know the conversation that han and 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 ben have um together you know he he says he comes up you know we miss you like come home like and kylo goes you know i i know what i have to do but i don't know if i have the strength to do it and right there because we've seen the movie at this point right we've all seen the fucking movie at this point we know what he has to do okay he we all know that the next step for Kylo Ren is that he has to, what Snoke has, you know, maybe Snoke told him this, but, 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 but the idea that, okay, when, in the trailer for The Last Jedi, when, when he says you have to destroy your past if you need to, okay, now, that being said, maybe that's, maybe that's something that, that, that Snoke put in his head, um, but also the the idea, but the idea that of the Greys too that 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 you guys spoke about in your last episode that you know um, during the trailer analysis, um, you know every, you have to destroy your past sometimes, and maybe that's in a metaphorical, maybe that's in a literal. Um, Kylo maybe knew that it was in a literal sense that he had to do it, but he didn't know if he could do it right. So Han knew that he had to do it, okay. And what does Leia tell Han before he goes off? to fucking find his son she says to him do everything you can like don't come back here <laughs> like like don't fucking like you you got to do everything you can to bring our son home like don't come back here without him right so that happening going into this look at the lightsaber okay look at the look look at the shaft of it okay not to get <laughs> don't will pause whoever is the guest don't get a little excited. I'm saying shaft. Cool it, guys. Okay, relax, relax. It's just a, it's just a <laughs> lightsaber. Um, so look at it. Okay, the underside of it is where that fucking where 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 that ignition is for that lightsaber to go off because it's not on the top. If you go into the, I would say I would suggest to take a look at the encyclopedia of it, or even just like you know Google a picture of like where where that where that switch is to turn it on. Even on the toys, it's up hot. It's 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 where it's where Han Solo's hand is in the middle. If his thumb were you know, if, I mean, hold something, hold a knife, chef, chef, Will, you know what I'm talking about? How do you hold your knife? Your knife, your thumb is usually it's either going to be on the side there. 
or it's going to be on the top if your hand is around something a little bit bigger like let's say a honing steel left side sure put it in your right hand where's your thumb going to be chances are your thumb's going to be holding that top part of it right think about i mean wrap your hand around wrap your hand around a, a, a replica sword that you have if you are that much you know into and in, into picking those kind of things up i don't know but that being said going back and and reviewing the footage sound like a sportscaster reviewing the footage from uh from the film um that ignition is not on the on the visible side it's on the underside it is a, it I, I, i'm i'm sure of it guys i mean if anybody wants to um bring something to my attention maybe i'm maybe i'm being crazy maybe maybe we're maybe we're seeing things a little bit differently but how i mean guys big talking point here that would change the last jedi and everything that we saw in that trailer if han solo was the one that ignited the lightsaber and killed himself and he sacrificed himself i mean it's han solo he would do that i mean come on it's han solo it's his son for a for what we know, it is his only son within the Star Wars universe um, in canon, um, or in you know the uh, the official film canon um, and books that are coming out right now, and I guess comics that are coming out right now, to my knowledge. Um, but please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I don't know. It, uh, it that fuck man that would change the Last Jedi entirely. Um, so I thought I'd bring that to y'all's attention and and see what you guys think. Also, will uh, I work at this really dope kitchen and it's a test kitchen and a, a guest kitchen, a guest chef kitchen, um, 24 seater would love to bring you down here. Uh, Haas would love to bring you down here. Um, and, uh, and do like a fucking crazy, like star Wars dinner. Let's, 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 let's make it happen. Sorry for the really long, uh, voice message guys. Um, but uh, love, love listening. Would love to hear your guys' thoughts on this and how much is it, it would fucking change everything that we think right now um, about at least what's going on um, on Kylo's side of uh, of of the story. So um, yeah, uh, can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts on it. All right, thanks. Bye. Oh, buddy, 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 all, buddy, buddy, buddy. Thank you for the voicemail. Absolutely. And thank you for listening. Um, it's always good to hear another chef out there. Uh, and I would love to come down Florida, me and Hawes, and do a kick-ass Star Wars dinner. Do you know how awesome that would be? That would be a lot Star of Wars fun. inspired feast. That would be incredible. <clears throat> now, on to the Han Solo killing himself. Yeah, you go ahead. And I will present what Your I feel thesis. my thesis, which I feel is pretty strongly backed up. So okay, you take you take the wheel first, my dude. Now, I get where you're going, and I understand why you would think that. The, uh, you know, it, it. I can see. I can see where you and your girlfriend would see would see that, and your chef. Uh, it would totally change things as well. Here's why I don't think that's what's going on. Uh, and I know you may not agree with this. That's fine. But number one, if if Han's purpose is to get his son back, I don't think sacrificing himself 
would be the way to do it. And I don't think Han would think that either. Well, okay. Um, I agree. And and he, let uh, me tell you why I agree with that point specifically. Why would killing himself do anything but help Kylo accomplish what Snoke wants? Like he's To kill his past. Right. He's basically helping Kylo complete what Snoke wants. So I don't right. see the benefit. You know? And I, I see the other side of that is Han doing it so that Ben doesn't isn't able to. So that you know, Kylo Ren isn't able to take Han's life because Han did it himself. You know, I, I understand that argument. I just don't think that's what it was. Um, and I understand, you know, the hand placement, I get why you would think that. But then there's that, so Kylo Ren offers the saber to Han, right? And Han reaches out to take it, but then Kylo doesn't let go. If, you know, Han could have, if, if the whole purpose was for Han to take it and kill himself, why was Kylo holding on to it? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, I, I know there is no accounting for the surprise of a lightsaber blade going through your torso. Uh, Han just looks real shocked afterward at, when he's looking at Kylo. You know, it, it doesn't seem like he was expecting that. Also, the way the lighting goes, you know, when the light fades from the star that the Star Killer base is right. consuming, it goes dark. Like it's very on the nose visual. Uh, you know, there's kind of a struggle there for a minute on holding on to that lightsaber. Right. And then once it goes completely dark, you know, the saber sparks. Now, as far as the hand placement on the the saber hilt, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'll look it up, but I don't know that it even matters that that's where Han Solo's hand was because I still feel like you can use the force to spark your lightsaber. I feel like if you can use the force to grab it from the other side of the room, you can use the force to flick the on switch okay. to, to emit the saber beam. Absolutely. Uh, so what I think as far as the whole hand placement thing goes, is it's kind of not the best argument because <laughs> specifically Anakin slash Luke's lightsaber, the blue one, has been ignited so many different ways in the movies. Like sometimes right. they use the little ignition switch, like the the square thing. Finn uses that red button. like the, Which is like the quick draw button or something. Whatever the fuck. So I feel like you can't really go by that. Like, um, but you know, whatever you, you go on, buddy. No, that was, that's pretty much the end of okay. it. That's all my evidence because, and you know, I get what he's saying. I mean, there's just, it swings both ways at the moment. You know, I will need more in these movies to know for sure. But you know, where we are right now, there's no tell. It could go either way. Okay. So I feel like it is absolutely not the case that Han did it. I feel 190%, 200% even, that Kylo killed Han. And I think there's a some really strong stuff to back this up. I mean, I agree. The first one would be our good buddy Steel Saunders did an amazing interview episode with Julian Smirk 
I believe he was the associate editor. I believe that was his title on The Force Awakens. And Steele brought this up to him on the episode. And Julian flat out denied it. He said, no, Kylo killed him. And like he was to the point where he was like, I can't believe people actually think that. Like Kylo killed him. Secondly, in the novel, novelization for The Force Awakens, um, it states that Kylo does it. And the commentary track that came out on the second version of The Force Awakens, the like deluxe set that had it on 3D and stuff, J.J. Abrams states that Kylo killed him. So there you have three... You know, it's you like have, almost four sources. Yeah, you have two people that actually worked on the movie saying no. And then you also have, you know, the novelization of the movie saying that Kylo did it. Um, I also say, like, if, <laughs> like, Kylo's actions after that aren't the actions of a dude that just had his father sacrifice himself for him. Like, True. When he meets Ray and Finn out in the woods in Starkiller Base, and he's like, Han Solo can't save you now. Like, he's like, you know what I mean? That's not, that's not the, the, the actions of a dude that's like, holy shit, my dad just sacrificed himself for me. Um, and Chewie shot him. Shot him in the ribs. Yeah. Yep. Or the dick. Wherever he shot him. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think... I thought it was the ribs because he smashes, you know. Yeah, he, like, well, yeah, it's like a side. To get the blood flowing. Like down, yeah, on his on his side. I, I'm not going to say I don't think. I'm going to say, um, one, I know for sure Kylo killed Han. I mean, you got two people that worked on the movie. One was the, the damn ass director and one was, you know, an associate editor. It also means that, it, let's say, not let, well, if Han did kill himself to try to save his son, he completely failed. Right. Um, and, and unless, you know, they're trying to say that, like, him killing himself was going to have such an impact on Kylo that it slowly changes him. I just can't see that being the case. Like, I think that was Kylo's, like, the whole movie is leading up, like, with Kylo is talking about his confliction being. It's feeling, torturous. Yeah, feeling the pull towards the light. Uh Snoke says to him, even you haven't ever faced such a test. Master of the Knights of Ren have never faced such a test. And he's talking about, you got to kill this his dude. father. Yeah. So, um, like, I, I know that's a theory that's been out there for a while. Just think it's one that's that's not got any validity to it personally. But I tell you what, one other thing that you may not know, you mentioned that um, Kylo was Han's only son. That's incorrect. In really? the recent, yeah, in the recent canon, they have established that uh, Kylo was triplets, and the other two Solo boys were Bron and Don Solo. So, Bron and Don. Wait, wait, they were triplets. Yeah, Kylo was the third of three brothers. He was the first. He was the first one out. It was. It, it went Ben, Don, and Bron. So, Leia has two other sons. Yeah, Bron and Don. Wow. I'm just fucking with you. 
You had me going. Really? Do you, you really think ghosted they, me, man? <laughs> do you really think that they would have Braun and Don? Braun. I soul, don't. But Don they do soul. some crazy shit in the. I mean, that's some EU. You were throwing some EU shit at me, and I was like, no, no, really. But they throw some crazy shit in those comics, dude. <laughs> uh, but that Star Wars themed dinner that would be cool as shit. That now would that, be awesome. that I agree with a million percent. So. Thanks for the voicemail, buddy. I hope that, um, I don't know, I, I hope that helped. I'm sorry if I shat over. Not trying to shoot you down, just just respectfully stating how we believe as well. Yeah. Good, good point. All right, <clears throat> next up we have, I think this is our only other voicemail for tonight. I think the rest are emails. This is from our buddy Josh, and... Um, He's got a little note that says, Halls and Will, you guys are the bee's knees. Love the show. Keep up the amazing work. Well, thanks, buddy. What is well, up, Haas and Will? Blue Harvest listeners, it's Josh here. Man, oh, man. First time calling in, uh, but long-time listener. I just wanted to get, uh, you know, I wanted to get some ideas out here. You know, I, I listened to your last episode. You were talking about, you know, the, the visceral game situation. And although it is uh, disappointing, it, I think in the end is going to be good, uh, good news. I think that they're going to, you know, they're going to have a lot more time to get their ducks in a row, maybe get some more talent on it, really flesh it out. And, uh, you know, if, if they're going to delay it, they're probably going to end up with a better product. I mean, rushed games, you can always tell. Um when, when they're rushed. And I, I really want it to be well-optimized. I want it to, you know, be polished. I don't want it to be stale. Oh, and I don't, you know, I was, I was giving it some thought. You know, what I really enjoy in a good open-world, you know, kind of RPG-style game is, is a fucking damn-ass good character creator, all right? Like, damn you know ass. what I mean? Like, the kind that, that gives you almost unlimited possibilities. I mean, uh, you know, and, like, different... Like, if you could do different species, but somehow augment each one to, like, do, you know, cosmetically to look a certain way, you have different kinds of classes that, you know, that, that, that vary, I mean, a lot more than, you know, say a Destiny 2 or a Battlefront 2 or something like that. Um, you know, or if you don't, you know, just, just if you want to focus more on the storyline and, and, and kind of keep keep it real uh, real nice and streamlined you could do more of like what you said a witcher 3 type of situation but the problem is they get so damn overwhelming you get all those side quests that kind of distract you but but uh, I really like the idea of breath of the wild um, but the other the other idea I had and, and like I'm, I'm putting these out there because I want your opinions on these uh, Haas and will but uh, you know the idea of jumping like you know into you know into fucking hyperspace to different planets you know and visiting different planets and uh but but doing it in a way that's like you know because destiny 2 has got that loading screen system where you know you jump in your ship and you fucking go like if you're switching planets or switching to a different moon you have to get in your ship and it's like doing a little like hyperspace thing and then you, you fucking it shows it in atmosphere you could do something like that with the star wars because you have like a cockpit with the hyperspace star you know the stars and you could have like you know, people in the cockpit interacting with one another and kind of do something cool like that. I, I, I don't know. They're just throwing it out there. Uh, but let me know what you guys think. Uh, as always, you know, great fucking show. Makes my commute so much better. Keep up the amazing work. And as always, may the fools be with you. Always. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, thanks, Josh. Um, that, was a, that was a good one. So, yeah, um, I mean, we talked about a whole lot of uh, this stuff just a little bit ago. Um, the thing that I, I don't know that they'll ever, I mean, maybe eventually, but my ideal Star Wars open world game might be like more expensive than a damn ass Star Wars movie to make. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. The thing is, is like, I know exactly what he means. I would, for one, an open world Star Wars movie to me needs to be open world in that um, it's it's multiple planets. Like, you got to be able to do that Star Wars galaxy hopping type adventure stuff without a doubt. I think that's a crucial element. I don't want a Star Wars open world game just set on one planet. Um, you know, but then <laughs> it becomes tough because how far do you spread that out? And if you spread it out too much, does that take away from the personality and the design of each individual planet? With Star Wars, we have such well-established planets that, like, you know, you could do Tatooine fairly easily, I feel, and, and get a reaction emotional and connection-wise <clears throat> to a location. But if you want to add a new planet, you got to make it different enough and give it its own personality and vibe and stuff. Um, it would just be, I feel, you know, that's a difficult task. Now, I feel like... Um, for instance, The Witcher Three, like it's an open world game that's it's it's divided by areas, and I feel like each of those different areas has its own feel. Um, so it's it's definitely doable, uh, but yeah, like I I my dream game would be like you know you start off absolutely want a character creator. I'm with him. I love being able to make my own character. Okay, I'll jump in just real quick. I love the idea of a character creator. There are some that give you almost too many options. You know, there in in my opinion, like Skyrim borders, maybe not Skyrim, but some of the Elder Scrolls border on almost too many options. Where I can mess up a face by oh, fine tuning yeah. it, and I got to go back to a base preset, and then keep tweaking like. It's almost too much customization. Now, it's neat because I can get exactly what I want, but I can also mess it up by playing with it too much, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, too few presets frustrates me, but too much customization, I feel like I get too lost in it. Yeah, I love a good character creator, and I know exactly what you mean. I can't tell you the amount of times that like I've made a Skyrim character. And Skyrim is not necessarily... You know, Skyrim, Fallout, or, um, you know, any of those Bethesda-type games isn't necessarily as bad because it's in first-person mostly and you don't really see yourself. But a game like uh, Dragon Age or Mass Effect where it's third-person and you see your character a lot, especially in, like, uh, dialogue choice cutscenes and stuff, like, I've no shit made a couple of Mass Effect characters, gotten a couple of hours in the game, and erased my save file and restarted. I can't stand looking at this motherfucker. Right, man. Like, And I love, like, when I get a new Mass Effect game, I no shit will spend an hour, hour and a half, two hours sometimes, like, just messing with the character creator and trying to get my dude to look as cool as possible. 
And it can be tough, like, uh, to, to make a character that just doesn't look like a damn monster. Um, so if, if they have a, a decent character creator, and I know what you mean, too many options and you can r- really make a fucked up looking character. Do you remember the characters we made on Fight Night and how ridiculous? Oh, I used to have so much fun with that. That was so much fun. I wonder why. I guess it's probably because the popularity of boxing has definitely fallen uh, and sort of UFC has risen up. But, yeah, it's it's kind of a shame that those games got canceled. It's not like I ever knew any of the professional boxers or anything. But it was, right, right. It was neat making your own character and going through a career mode. and, and Well, also, um, I don't think the formula changes. You know, like it's punches, 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 blocks, punches. You know, right. it's body or body or head, left or right. Haymakers, crosses, yeah. jabs. And the UFC games are too goddamn complex. I can't fight anybody for all the funky button hold mashes <laughs> I got to do. You know, that's too much. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, about the Star Wars game. Okay, I get it. I get exactly what he's saying about making the jump to hyperspace. Okay, because Destiny is cool, right? You get to go. It's that. It's basically the loading screen where you're traveling between places. That's really neat. But what frustrates me is I don't ever get to fly that damn ship. It right. always flies it for me. That's what I'm I was going to say. I'm playing a game where I got the run of the entire solar system, and I don't ever get to fly that fucking ship. All I get mm-hmm. to do is watch it fly. Um that's frustrating. But uh, imagine to yourself, you're playing a game, all right? You're playing a Star Wars game, and all of a sudden, you're being chased by the Empire or a bounty hunter, and you're trying to get away. You're either trying to, you're, you're based with the option, you can fight this guy or you can get away, and you have to evade him long enough while taking shots to your rear deflector screen to make the calculations for the jump to light speed. And then if you do in time, boom, you're gone. Or if he lands, if he lands enough shots and you don't evade well enough, you maybe your hyperdrive gets knocked out, and then you've got to fight it out, or you have to try to get away within that system. Like that would be kick ass. Like I would love that. Um, that would be cool. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't know if the star open Star Wars game I want. Is right, even I don't possible know if they could ever because <laughs> yeah. So like I was saying, like you start off on a planet, you make your character, you spend a few hours, like you know, learning the systems. Eventually, you get a ship, and then when you get in that ship, like you fly that fucker, you fly that fucker. You got to go on hyperspace. You can get in space battles. You got to land. Like I, it's the game I want is probably impossible from either a budget standpoint or a technology and like, standpoint. I can accept some automation. So landing is automated, you know. Yeah, taking off landing. Taking off is like, automated. Um, I will, you know, I hate to bring it back to Call of Duty, but the uh, the future one, the one that nobody liked, uh, Infinite Warfare, you have your main ship and you take off and land and come back to it with like a, a space fighter craft. And it's, it's basically automation. You know, you, you have make an attempt at landing and you make an attempt at taking off and it, it does the rest for you. That's really fucking neat. Um, and something like that with your star Wars ship would be cool, you know, and you could plot a course to hyperspace if you're not under attack and, you know, and it just be nothing, you know, it, it be like destiny. It just takes it over and goes for you. But 
it would, you know, I don't know that I need to manually fly through hyperspace because it's just a straight line, but manually flying through space, space fights, dodging in and out of an asteroid field, trying to get away from while I'm <laughs> under fire to make the jump to hyperspeed, like, oh, it's, it could that be so great. Kick ass. Kick ass. Worried about my deflector screen, hoping I, you know, yeah. can take enough hits or, you know, maybe I do have to fight this out. Yeah, that would be cool. All right. So next up, we got our buddy Brad H. Hey, Halls and Will. Every now and again, I like to go back into the reaction pods in an attempt to gain some clarity. Of particular interest this week was the the Force Awakens reaction podcast. A discussion came up about a huge, obvious question. Raise parents. A question I always myself think about. This is, wait. I always ask myself about this is what does the evidence we now have say about that? And do those facts point to her being a Skywalker or not? Let me lay out my case that she is, in fact, a Skywalker chronologically. The second trailer. My father has it. I have it. My sister has it. You have that power too. Okay. I gotta say that does intrigue me. Um, you know, the trailer they put out at celebration that he's talk about where, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. So like, unless that was just marketing or hype promotion or something, then that's the only real piece of evidence. I I mean, he may present some more, but, but like, it's, it's weird because like, was that meant as a, a hint at the, the story to come because obviously it's not touched on the force in, in in the force awakens right is that maybe a result of something they were going to do in the movie that changed i don't know i don't know is could it be talking about and this is weird could it be talking about kylo but was that talking about kylo before he went bad you know right was that you know talking to teenage kylo or you know young young yeah, because at the end of the day, it's just dialogue that they took from the the Last Jedi, and then had Mark Hamill do a whisper track on four. Under. Yeah, four words, you know. But uh, clearly, that it was put in there for a reason, and whether that be story or marketing or hype, like you said, I don't know. Um, because. You know, other than that, I don't think there is any evidence to raise lineage. Like, I zero, unless you want to count Maz Kanata saying the saber's calling out to you. But that doesn't even necessarily really mean anything about lineage. Right. You know? Okay. <clears throat> so, number two. Lore Santeca is the custodian of the map to Skywalker on the planet that Ray is an inhabitant on. After all that time studying and preaching the light side, he just retires there? I don't buy it. It's too coincidental. Yeah, the Lore Santeca thing, I don't know that it necessarily speaks to her lineage, but it is fascinating. It is fascinating, agreed, that Lore Santeca resides on the same planet as Rey with the one piece that could find Luke Skywalker. Right, and is Lore Santeca something we'll ever get? I, If I had to guess, I, I don't even know that Lore Santeca will come up again in the movies. Maybe? It would just it would be really surprising to me if he did because 
he goes out so quickly and then is like not a an issue ever again in the first movie um but it makes me wonder like you know in books or other canon material where will that character get fleshed out and we we know more about his intentions or and it's interesting that he says you know i know where you've come from yeah i know yeah clearly he knew kylo before so he had some sort of some sort of interaction with kylo and we assume luke you know because when he if he knew where kylo came from and and uh if kylo knew him kylo says to him look how old you've become so They've had some kind of interaction in the past. That's fascinating. But mm, does it have anything to do with Ray's lineage? I don't know. Uh, number three, Han looked. My other question. Oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. go for it. No, 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 no. Where Where did Laura Santeca get that? That map. That piece of map. I don't know. I I want to say that. Did someone? Did they establish at some point that Luke gave that to him? In some kind of material? I, I don't know. Mm. All I know is that I know that R2 picked up the map he had that he displayed from the Death Star computer. Yes. Uh, and it so it came with the hole in it. Right. So the map that R2 had already had that hole in it. Yeah, that whole R2 thing's kind of weird too. But you're right. He did pick it up from they've they've said that he picked it up um when he connected to the Death Star computer. Uh number 3. Han's looks that he gives to Rey. What did Han die knowing? He sure looked like he knew of her. I don't know about knew of her, but there is some there are some There's weird Han's look. When she says, I don't, I've never seen so much green in the whole galaxy, the look right after that says something, but I don't fucking know what. Now, that one, I don't know if it's much of a clue. To me, I always interpreted that look as like, oh, damn, this poor lady, this poor girl has been on that desert planet forever. When they're completing each other's sentences and stuff on the Falcon, and the looks he gives her then, that's fascinating to me. That's something that, you know, may hold some weight, you know? When he asks her to join the crew. Right. Um, uh, what else do you Some moof milker. Some moof milker. Um... Okay, so, uh, number four. The saber reaching out to Ray and her flashbacks. The entire flashback scene was Luke-centric. Bespin. Ben's conversation with Luke. Yoda, the burned Jedi temple. Every bit of dialogue inv- involved Luke. The exception being Ray. These are your first steps. Okay. Th- I mean, that's true. There's a lot to do with Luke on that. Um... But there is some Obi-Wan. There is some Obi-Wan. There's a little Yoda. Um, um, now, my theory on that is that it's basically, for lack of better terms, like a force psychic imprint, right? So the idea that places retain psychic energy or items do based on where they've been or what they've been through, 
that may just be, you know, residual force energy that she is overwhelmed by simply by touching the lightsaber. Does that make sense? Yeah. uh, So I kind of feel like, yeah, it's weird. Like you could say it's, she's sort of sensing the history of this weapon she just touched. Right. But then there are elements that don't appear to have anything to do with that. Right. Like, Like the massacre of Luke's first Jedi order. Right. Uh, Ray getting dropped off on Jakku. Yeah. Um, maybe it's the initial spark to a flood. Right. I don't know. Really. The flashback is going to be interesting to see. I feel like it's more of a force vision. Right. Right. Well, they call it a force back. We call it, a force flashback is what we call it. They call it a force back. So yeah, a force, a force back. flashback. Yeah, it's um, definitely tied into the force. She's having a vision, but it's a flashback to things that have happened, you know? Because visions are clearly part of the force, you know? Mm-hmm. Yoda's so powerful, he can try to find it at a moment's whim. Because when Luke asks him, he sits there and he focuses for a second to see mm, difficult the future is to see. Like, he's looking. Right. And the whole time in the prequels, like, he's meditating and, you know, I guess looking for visions in the Force. <coughs> yeah. Um, Luke has the vision, you know, of his friends in pain being tortured on Cloud City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... And, and like, the thing about visions in Star Wars is, like, they they never seem to be, like, 100% on the money. Like... We've also never seen one before. Well, I mean, was Luke's experience in the cave sort of a vision? You know? Sort of, Either I guess. Either a vision or a physical manifestation. Right. Well, of it, fear. if you think about it, it that's true. But, like, it kind of physically manifested for Rey, too. Like, she was sucked into those scenes. Very right. different. And I wouldn't say it's the same. It's it was similar to similar. the vision that Anakin had. The dreams. Mm-hmm. Anakin had the visions, but they were cinematic, like rays, like like. Right, and that's another good point. Like Anakin's, like the visions weren't right on the money. He saw that Padme died in childbirth, but the reason she died in childbirth was because of him. You know, Luke it, saw va- it, his face in Vader's helmet, and like that's an allusion to him being vader's son you know and and being tested by and vader, being yeah you know, being to tested. wanting to become him so and and like i'm trying to think of i mean the the lamest one i can come up with and this is real like nitpicky and and rays is when she sees kylo on star killer base like he's wearing the full kylo get up and that's not how that really goes down but it it's foreshadowing that they're going to have that confrontation well, it's on. difficult to see the future because always in motion it is. Right. So I don't know, man. I don't know about that flashback. All right. Uh, okay. Luke's, and the other thing is how oh. can an inanimate object call to you? The kyber crystal. The kyber crystal. Okay. All right. That's. I mean, that's would just be my... Um, 
because those kyber crystals like in they've established like in clone wars and rebels that like they call out to the jedi the strongest stars have heart of kyber excellent <laughs> luke's look of disappointment on upon seeing her on octo he knows something what this is remains to be seen yeah i mean I just haven't seen, and obviously they wouldn't give it away in the trailers, but I haven't seen anything in the trailers and stuff that leads me to believe that she's Luke's daughter. Like, it actually pushed me in the other way. And I mean, last Jedi trailers. He does have, that is an interesting look he gives her. But to me, it could maybe be more of a, oh no, here we go. You know, like a. I'm trying I tried to leave all this and then this girl right. shows up with my father slash my old lightsaber like the force isn't gonna let me out of this. Um we know Luke believes the Jedi must end, so like, you know, this that's obviously a conflict with his feelings on this, this girl showing up with a lightsaber, you know? Uh I don't know. What do you think? I I am always conflicted by what Maz Kanata says about her on Jakku like you're you're waiting what is it she says you're waiting for someone to come back right. that won't that you're waiting for someone that's never going to come back but there is someone who could yes and and she's like Luke um yeah it's to, to me like that that's almost, the riddle I can't solve right to me that almost says like your your real family's never going to come back but you could help bring Luke back and he could become your Jedi master and like you guys would have a connection that way almost wasn't it once that Daisy Ridley said she's surprised that no one's guessed her parents yeah i i don't know about all, all the you know I, to me there's been so you know JJ Abrams said that there was a there was this thing where JJ Abrams said Ray's parents aren't in the Force Awakens, and then he later later clarified that they don't establish who Ray's parents are in The Force Awakens. Uh, was that a slip up where he told the truth, or was that a slip up where he said the wrong thing? Because uh, Maz kind of makes it sound like they're dead. Yeah, uh, I yeah, dead or have no interest in ever seeing Ray again, which yeah. would be fucked up. Which would be oh yeah, way fucked up. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> His fear of her power in the recent trailer. Maybe that power reminds him of another Skywalker. Maybe someone else. Sheev? So the evidence for her being a Skywalker stacks up versus her not being one. What remains to be seen is which side of the tree. I'd be hugely surprised if she isn't. What are your thoughts, Brad H? Um... His fear of her power, I think the the power that he felt from her was from another Skywalker, and it was Kylo. That's my personal feeling of what he's talking about. I've only felt this power once before, and I wasn't scared of it then, but I am now. Um, so, I think that... What if, what if she's Snoke's daughter? I mean, you know, it could be. It would be weird to me if the uh, big reveal in this movie is that the main hero is once again 
the kid of one of the big bads, but instead of this time it being the Darth Vader character, it's the Palpatine character. That'd but be a little weird to me. It balances out the the child of the hero becoming a villain. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Because <clears throat> that's definitely an element we didn't have in the the original trilogy as well. The whole child of a hero becoming a villain. Uh, so that's just kind of what I feel about his, his different points about that. Now I, I get saying, everyone's Obi-Wan Kenobi argument. I just don't, I, it just doesn't jive. Which it just seemed like it would be so complicated to, it explain. seems wedged. You, you, you have to do some shoehorning to fit that in there. Yeah. And look, if they can pull that off and, and I dig it, then I'm all about it. I love me some Obi-Wan. I would love to see the Obi the Kenobi uh, bloodline carry on or the, the name to carry on in some way. But it's just not one to me that seems like it would fit well. Um, and to be honest, as I've said before, as soon as I was done seeing The Force Awakens, like I turned to you guys and I was like, she's Luke's daughter. Yep. And I I just, you know... Const- That's still my current default theory because it's I don't have mine. a better one. Yeah, it's still mine, to be 100% honest. It's still mine. And I would be so stoked. Like, Ray is so fucking awesome. Like, to me, because- she's like the perfect uh, kid for Luke. You know, like, thinking back as a kid, like, oh, if they ever do an episode, uh, you know, 7, 8, and 9, and we see these characters kids like Han and Leia's kids and stuff like Ray is even better than I could ever have imagined Luke's offspring being you know yeah Um, because to me just instinctually I don't want the Skywalker bloodline to end and she is my only hope right because Kylo's gonna die maybe in an act of redemption Kylo's gonna die yeah I think so too so Adam Driver is not going to reprise that role in another trilogy. He's going to be too artsy fartsy, you know, making avant-garde films. Right, make his Star Wars money and then go make artsy fartsy acting roles. Try to get himself an Oscar and shit, you know. Right, trying to be the next Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Driver. <laughs> All right. Uh, so next up, we got an email from our buddy Michael. Greetings, Halls and Will, and any other potential guest. It's been a long while since I've written in, life being busy and all that, but I haven't missed an episode. A quick bit of praise before the meat of my email. Congrats on the show and how much it's been thriving over the last few months. As a longtime listener, I'm so pleased to see good old Blue Harvest has been thriving. Having just gotten into the podcast game myself, I now have a total understanding of the time and dedication it takes to get the show off the ground. Good job, lads. Now, theory time. We all know when a new Star Wars movie is looming ahead, one of the best parts about it is the feast us fans get when it comes to speculating what the plot is going to be. And I think it's safe to say The Last Jedi is no exception. So on to my theory regarding Rey, Kylo, and Snoke. First up, I'll throw up a general disclaimer. The following is painted in broad strokes and, of course, result in me talking out of my ass. It's my favorite kind of talk. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. Let's assume Snoke's line spoken in the latest trailer is aimed at Rey and not Kylo. 
Ray may have been who Snokes always intended to be his apprentice, but before he could claim her, someone hid away, Ray away on Jakku. This forced Snoke to find a runner-up and easy to manipulate Ben Solo. The result is Ben simply being a tool for Snoke to use as a weapon, just as Han warned during The Force Awakens. Now let's fast forward to The Last Jedi. Snoke has now managed to get within Rey's reach. Get Rey within reach, at last having the tool he always desired there in front of him. Snoke leverages Rey's desire of discovering who she is and what her purpose is in the galaxy, twisting her to his side. The way I see it, Snoke is the master of manipulation of people. That, that is his thing, twisting any weakness one might have to his benefit. Now all this puts Kylo into an awkward spot as he's no longer needed by Snoke. Kylo, a.k.a. Ben, suddenly sees the truth to his late father's words, realizing he has been nothing more than Snoke's puppet used as a means to an end. This leaves Ben conflicted and aimless, suddenly without a purpose or cause. Ben lets go, is drawn back to the light, and plots a course of redemption for his wrongs to bring down Snoke and the First Order, either with or without the aid of the Resistance. Initially, I was a never fan of the theory of Kylo coming back to light, but the more I dwell on the theory and the avenues the last Jedi trailer opened, the more I think I could accept it. It's a story that Star Wars has never told, and I think if done right, it could be an absolutely amazing ride to be on. Anyway, that's enough of me banging on about nothing. Cheers, Mike. Thanks for writing in, buddy. Um, yeah, I, why don't you take this one first, buddy, so I can mull it over a little bit. I, I get what he's saying, and... You know, seeing the last Jedi trailer, it it does make you think maybe he could be redeemed. But to me, the only the only way I'd really want to see that is if he, you know, went off on his own and did like we were talking about the Bruce Banner solo quest, doing good deeds across the galaxy as penance. You know, the monk wandering the galaxy. I wouldn't want to see him come back to the Resistance and fight the good fight again. Like that just doesn't fit. It doesn't jive. Not after you killed your dad. And it just, I, I get it. You know, I get that we want, we all want Ben Solo to be good. We want him to be good. So far, he's the only scion of a Skywalker slash Solo. You know, we want that redemption. We want him to follow a path of righteousness. But I don't know, I don't know that it won't come without the cost of your life because. Like Yoda said, once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. Yeah. Um, so. And not that Yoda's words are the force gospel, but they are. They're pretty close, I would say. I'd say they're pretty close. <laughs> um, so this is the thing. I don't see Kylo going back to the good side in this movie. Because I don't know how well a movie where Snoke is the only protagonist works. And when I say that, I'm talking about episode nine. I am still of the belief that, you know, and, and I will be until I see otherwise, that Kylo will be redeemed somehow in the end. They're definitely setting it up, I feel. At least the conflict within him about all of this. Um 
but I, I still feel pretty strongly that it's going to be through an act of self-sacrifice. Um, so what I'm saying is like, who, who's Ray going to lightsaber battle in, in episode nine if Kylo's a good guy? Right. What if Ray's the bad guy? I, wasn't that the premise he was saying? Oh, that Ray will go to the bad side and Luke and Kylo will go to the good side. I, I don't remember exactly. But. Yeah, I got, I don't know either. I don't see that happening personally. I just think that would be weird to pull It'd that. Bum me the fuck out. It if would Ray falls too. to the dark side. It would bum me the fuck out. I you know I'm still not convinced that she won't be tempted or have you know a moment of weakness where she. I mean, she has to be tempted. That's yeah, part of your trial. Right, but I I don't think she will become a dark side. Full on, you know. I don't think. If I ever she, see Ray with a red saber. I'll I'll cry. I'll be bummed myself. I agree. <clears throat> so, you know, it's just a. It's just it's from a, from a movie you want to watch standpoint. I can't see Episode Nine being like unless Snoke has a lightsaber, you know. But then, like, how weird is it going to look for Ray to fight fragile ass looking Snoke? Although, you know, much like the Emperor, he's probably not really fragile. But he's like seven feet tall, and, and Daisy Ridley is not seven feet tall. Like, can you see what I'm talking about with, like, the weird height difference? I, going? I feel like Snoke is one of those characters so powerful he doesn't really need a lightsaber. Yeah, or doesn't really use Much him. like Palpatine in Return of the Jedi. Right. I have transcended the use of a lightsaber. Uh, <clears throat> but you know that's just sort of how I feel on the whole thing. Willem, we got a Willem, William. Hello, Halls and Will. I love your podcast, and there's at least one moment in every episode I listen to that makes me laugh out loud. Well, thanks, buddy. Is it just me, or is this trailer better every time you watch it? I get more hyped every time I see it. I have Indeed, actually, <laughs> I have actually resorted to occasionally listening to it. In my car going to and from work. And I just get super hyped. Any thoughts? Thanks for making making such an awesome podcast. And making my commute that much better. Well thanks for listening to the podcast. And thanks for writing in. Yeah I think this trailer is great. Every time I watch it I get even more hyped. It's it's really well done. Um, I, who knows how many times I've watched it. I'll say this. I haven't watched it as... Still, of all the new Star Wars trailers, I think the Chewie We're Home trailer is the one I watch the most still. Um, yeah, because, I mean, just just because of how epic. Yeah, and just that one. But yeah, it, it is a, a solid trailer. All right, next up, we got our a buddy Rashad. Dear Halls and Will, loved your trailer breakdown with King Tom. I've been thinking a lot about the last shot in that trailer with Kylo and Rey. As many have said before, I think this is a misdirection and the two shots are not from the same scene. Assuming mm -hmm. that's true, I've been thinking a lot about who she is talking to. Given how grumpy Luke is and hesitant to teach her he is, what if she's talking to a Force ghost, Obi-Wan, Yoda, or even Anakin after a particularly, particularly trying time? Maybe Luke has closed himself off to her so much that she is on the brink of giving up when a force ghost shows up and encourages her and helps mend the relationship between Rey and Luke. I'm of the belief that if we're going to get at least one force ghost in this film, and I think it might be touching to have one comfort her in a time of need. 
What do you guys think? Am I totally off base? Is this a good idea? May the force be with you, your buddy, Rashad. Okay, so Rashad, I totally agree. I think we're getting a force ghost in this movie. I just got a feeling. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? I got a feeling <coughs> that there's a force ghost yeah. in this movie. Uh, um, a catharsis between Ben and Scott and Luke. I believe that comes at the point of a lightsaber. You know, I don't. I know. Didn't she say? Didn't he say? Didn't he say to facilitate the mending of Kylo and Luke? Uh, maybe I misread it, but he he said Ray and Luke. Ray and Luke. Okay. Because you know Ray, uh, Ray is or he's hesitant to train Ray. So this is what I would say: if it comes sort of early in the morning, I think it would freak Ray early in the morning, early in the movie. It would freak Ray the fuck out if a ghost appeared to her and started talking to her, right? Uh, you know, it didn't freak Luke out. Yeah, but it was someone he knew. Well, that's true. It it was it was like you know. I think it would be neat if, like, in the Empire Strikes Back, um, you know how like Luke and Yoda are having the conversation, and then you hear the voice of Obi Wan chime in. Like, you don't see him, but you know, nope, nope, too too old. Oh yeah, too old what to begin saying. the training. Are you? And he was like, "Wasn't I young?" You know. So I I think she's talking to Chewie. I think because of the outfit she's wearing and stuff, she shows up. She gives Luke the saber. He's like, yo, where are you from? She's like, the resistance sent me to find you. Uh, I've got the force. Will you train me? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, hell no. Uh, shit went south. He's like, hell no. So then she goes back to the Falcon. It's nighttime. Chewie's chilling there with a fire, hanging out with R2. She sits down and, and says this to, uh, to Chewie. It would also be really cool if she was saying it to R2. Like, I like when people talk to R2 like he's yeah. he's a regular homie, not just a robot, you know? And um, I'm ready. I, we need some more quality R2 time because we didn't get a whole lot yeah. in The Force Awakens. Yeah. And I know that role has passed a BB-8, and he did a fantastic job. Yeah, but I want some more R2 as well. And I think we'll yeah. get it. I if think he's going to be around. There's a real cute promotional image. Um, it was on some tops cards, and they may have like posters of it and stuff with R2 with a bunch of porgs standing on him. That's cool. Fucking cool. Uh, <clears throat> so, and then I think what would be cool, the, the question I have in my mind, though, is if this would be too early in the movie for them to do this, but if Luke retreats to his hovel or his cave or whatever that he's he's living in on Octo and while you know Ray's down at the Falcon and then a force ghost appears to him be it Yoda or Obi-Wan or Anakin or whatever and was like come on Luke you should train her you know this is what you need to get you know what that's exact get out of my brain because that's what I was thinking I was like I was like if there's a force ghost I bet it shows up to kick Luke Skywalker in the ass and be like all right you old grumpy man right Right, so that's just kind of how I'm going with the whole Force thing, how I see it. I, but is that too early? Do you save the Force ghost for a bigger reveal later in the movie? I don't know. I'm not a writer. I wish I could write a Star Wars movie. The moment 
in The Force Awakens when she recalls what Maz Kanata says to her in the fight when mm-hmm. she's like, mm-hmm. what is it? like? Um, the Force, like close your eyes and... Close your eyes when you're calm, you know, then you will know the will of the force or whatever. It's it's something along the lines. It's been a, I should watch it again. It's been a while since I've seen it, but that is so harkens back to at the end of A New Hope when uh, he's going in for the kill shot on the Death Star and he's like, trust your feelings or, you know, trust the force, Luke. Yeah, that's a really good point. I love those moments of like the disembodied voice, and I know it was a re- it was a memory of what Maz Kanata said, but it helped her focus and do what she needed to do. And so, you know, the Force Ghost or the Force for, uh, the Ghost Voice, I think is cool. And I think you know it's cool when they use the Force to reach out to one another, like Leia and Luke at the end of uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> all right, so we got two more emails, and then we will be all caught up. This is, uh, this one is from our buddy Chris Lilly. Hey, guys. While watching The Force Awakens this past weekend, I began to rack my brain again about who's raised par- who Ray's parents are and um, what... Okay, what their motivation was for dropping her off on Ra- Jakku. I know this is a question we have all and are very tired of debating, and are hoping for some type of resolution when The Last Jedi comes out. Number one, like some fans want her to be one of, like some fans, I want her to be one of the Skywalker lineage. However, I think she's going to be a nobody, and I have a simple explanation for it. Ray was born into a normal run-of-the-mill family just trying to make their way in the galaxy. Perhaps they weren't the best people either. Ray is, of, of course special and began exhibiting exhibiting strong forced abilities at a young age and it freaked her parents out they tried to get their daughter to support her special talents for fear to suppress her special talents for fear that they would be ostracized or even targeted because of ray's strong connection to the force one day when she was about six years old or so there was an incident in which ray failed to suppress her force abilities in a big way it was the straw that broke the camel's back and her parents made the terribly sad decision to send her daughter their daughter away to live with uncar plut this traumatized ray who into suppressing her force abilities out of grief and despair for disappointing her parents, her family, until one day the Force awakened in her and called her to her destiny with the arrival of a special BB unit in her backyard. What do you guys think? Could it be as simple as that? Hopefully we'll find out for sure in the coming months. Oh, and I'm with Halls and thinking that Kylo comes to Octo in order to bring Rey to see Snoke after she is fed up with Luke not teaching her. Perhaps the embers floating behind Kylo Ren, and the last scene of the trailer is the forest tree burning. Uh, anyways, take care and have a good weekend. All right, so uh, it could be something as simple as that for sure. Uh, it would be interesting. What I think is interesting about that theory is that it kind of, from what we know at least, kind of mirrors what was going on with Kylo. Where, you know, Luke, or not Luke, uh, Han and Leia 
sent him off to train with Luke because he became kind of problematic. There were some problems cropping up and stuff with him. Um, but we really don't know a whole lot about that as far as what's been released in canon and stuff. So if it was something like that, it would be kind of cool because it mirrors uh, Kylo a little bit. But Incredibly sad. Incredibly sad because Kylo got sent off to... Luke and she got sent off to fucking Uncar Plut. She definitely got the short end of the lightsaber on that one. Um, she basically got sent off to the king of space junk. Right. She got sent off to Pawn Stars. Trades parts for food. Yeah, yeah. Um, and while I don't know if it'll be exactly that, a lot of times I think. The best way to approach a Star Wars theory is the simplest explanation is always the right explanation. Isn't um, that um, Occam's Razor? Is that what that shit's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Occam's Razor. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, the problem is, is you got to remember, like, <clears throat> things aren't always all that complicated in a Star Wars movie. And like, they just like simple twists, right? And like, with some of these theories, be it a Snoke theory, a Ray's parents theory, um, some of them are so complex, complex and convoluted. And like, you're not gonna have a end of Matrix Reloaded scene with the fucking architect where they spend 15 minutes lord. It is heretofore vis a vis vis a vis. Um, you're not going to have one of those type of scenes where they spend 15 minutes explaining Ray's parents to you. You know, it's going to be simple, quick, and to the point. It may raise some more questions, like I've said, much like at the end of Empire, Luke, I am your father. Like, yes, that turns out to be true and turns out to be a definitive statement, but they don't clarify it at the end of Empire. They leave you wondering. Um. So I, it, it could have an element of that, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to be much like Chris's explanation. Like I said, I don't know that that's a hundred percent right. Um, if it's if it's like if she is Luke's daughter, I think the explanation of how she's Luke's daughter and got dropped off will be a very simple explanation. Will everybody be happy with it? Maybe not, but I don't think it's going to be some super complex. Ooh, you know, blah 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 blah. blah you know. I'm I'm tired tonight, guys. I'm running out of steam. Uh, but yeah, that's... I think it, however it turns out to be, whether she's not related or is related, I think there will be a fairly simple at, answer to how that all works. Because if they get too complicated, then it gets weird and goofy, you know? <clears throat> um, what do you feel, buddy? Yeah, I'm... I Yeah. It's got to be fairly simple. Yeah, I... I just really think so. All right. So our last email, actually not Star Wars related. Do you remember last week when our buddy Peter wrote in and said he had been listening to the podcast while he was training for his 50-mile race? I do. I remember that. And we were like, holy shit, is he running that whole thing, walking that whole thing? He sent us in some information. Uh, 
about this. He says, hey guys, just taking a second to answer the question you had about what type of 50-mile race I'll be doing in March. I will, in fact, be running, not the whole time, mind you, but for about half of the race. The last 50-mile race I did was the Keys 100 from Marathon to Key West in May of this year, and it was brutal. It took me a f- and a friend of mine a little over 18 hours to finish that race. I'll tell you that I'm not sure if I was sweating or crying at some points late in that race. I probably quit four or five times, too, but there was no one there to pick me up to take me home, so I just kept going. In March, I'll be running the Badwater Cape Fear 51.5 miler on Badhead Island, North Baldhead Island, North Carolina. We've got 14 hours to finish this one, so it'll be a good test of where we are. Keep up the great work, guys. I'll be listening during the run come March. Oh, man. That's really an honor for you to listen to us while you do a 50-mile run, so... We'll try to. That's in Good. March. Maybe. Oh, maybe we'll have a new Han Solo trailer to break down and Ooh. cover for like two or three hours of that fourteen-hour damn race, dude. That's impressive. I got to say that takes some impressive dedication, and uh, and just f- fucking athleticism to do that. So he said he's going to be running. I wonder is it biking the other twenty-five? Is it? Hmm. Maybe just walking. Oh, okay. I see. I see. I see. So he's planning on Oof. because I I imagine if you start out running, you don't got a lot of juice left at the end. I guess if you're gonna run, it's got to be towards the end. I hope homie, but I hope our homie's got some nice sneakers. To keep. Hope he stays well hydrated. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm sure if you uh, if you if you're if you're awesome enough to do a 50 mile race, you, something tells me you, you're taking care of your body in all the right ways. It's a temple. It's, yeah, like that dude is dedicated. That's really cool, buddy. Thanks for clarifying. Uh, so that's going to do it this week for us, guys. We're all caught up, it looks like. I think that's it. I think we're finally caught up on voicemails and emails. Thank you guys so much for writing in and calling in. Continue to do so, please. We love hearing what you guys have to think and discussing it. We uh, love the love. Remember to check out the Kessel Toy Run at the Kessel Toy Run on Twitter. Check it out on Facebook. If you feel like helping some kids this holiday season, bringing a little joy to some kids that could use it and some families that could use it, then uh, think about checking out their Amazon wish list. Um, you can find that on their Twitter profile. You can also go to a really nice post on makingstarwars.net that lays it out really simply. You can just click on the list. See the the wish list, buy some stuff for some kids. If you've got Star Wars stuff in your collection you don't want anymore that's sealed and new, send that on, you know? Um, and uh, we will uh, have our holiday special episode up so you can help out in that way as well soon. Um, if you like our theme song, please check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They are Stoned Cobra. You can find them on stonedcobra.bandcamp.com and on iTunes and Spotify. Um, what else? Leave us some five-star reviews on iTunes if you enjoy the show. It really helps us a lot, and we really appreciate it. And we got merch for sale if you like our art. Yes, because we have had two very talented buddies of ours. Done by our killer artist friends. Yep, Evan DeCellis and Ben Layton have really done some killer stuff for us, and uh, man, 
you know, if you want a shirt or something. Shirt, coffee mug. Yeah. You know, you get you get a kick-ass blue harvest shirt, maybe uh, the um the now classic the now classic Kia D ride the lightning shirt. People are like, "Hey, what is that?" And you go, "Oh, it's my favorite Star Wars podcast, Blue Harvest or it's one of my favorites or it's a Star Wars podcast that I kind of like called Blue Harvest." And they're like, "Oh, I'm going to check us check that out." Hey, man, that helps us out too. So, quick deets, I've been watching some Clone Wars on the Netflix cuz I know it's going off. Uh, I pick a couple episodes, just, you know, ones that sound interesting. And there's a lot of Kia D in there, bud. Lots of Kia D in the Clone Wars. How good is the Clone Wars? It's I good. I love that show, man. So have you Phenomenal. been... Phenomenal. And I, what you said one time, you know, I, I watched a lot, but um, the art is killer. You know, you can say what you want about the story and plots in some of the episodes, but the art is absolutely phenomenal. And Underrated. It, it gets so good. From a quality standpoint, the longer it goes on, like yeah. season four, five, and six are beautiful. Um, so, and this, I haven't made it all the way to the end, but does is there an episode that explains what happens on Kato Nemoidia? I don't believe so, because that's okay. before the Clone Wars. Remember, they're riding in the elevator on Attack of the Clones, and he's like, "That business on no." Is that? An, I thought that was in Revenge of the Sith. You're you're right. You're right. Maybe it does. I can't remember. Maybe it does explain that. But I'll, if I were, look, I'll search it. If I were you, watch the whole Maul storyline. Yeah. Because it's really good. Watch the the Mandalorian stuff. Those actually end up sort of crossing over. Um, the Duchess Satine stuff. Yeah, the Duchess Satine stuff. Watch Mortis. Watch the entirety of season six. It's, sm- it's shorter because it's just whatever episodes they had finished. Mm-hmm. The last arc, the Yoda arc that ends the Clone Wars is phenomenal. I know you're going to think this is weird, but you have to watch the Mace Windu and Jar Jar arc in season six because it is the best Jar Jar in Star Wars. It's really good. You get, you have to take my word for it, but you got to watch it. Will do. Okay. Um, well, guys, thanks for listening to us this week and uh, every other week if, if you do, I guess. I don't know. Uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Hans Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs> <laughs>